How much time, how much love, how much focus do we put on loving God versus all of the other stuff? And now for what do you worship? Are you sure? Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And there was a businessman who was looking for an employee, and he was interviewing people, and he was asking them one simple math question. And his first interviewee was a journalist, And he asked the journalist, what is two plus two? And the journalist said, 22. And then he had another interviewee who was an engineer. And he asked the engineer, what is two plus two? And the engineer pulled out his slide rule and he said, worked it for a minute or two, and he said, it's between 3.999 and 4.001. And then he had a lawyer come in. He said, what is two plus two? And he thought for a minute and he said, well, according to the case of Jenkins versus the stamp duties department, it was proven that two plus two equals four. And then he had an accountant come in. The accountant sat down and he said, look, what is two plus two? And the accountant said, said, what now? He said, what is two plus two? And the accountant got up, and he went over to the door, and he closed the door. And he came back over, and he stood by the man's desk. He looked around, and he bent over to him, and he said, What do you want it to be? (laughs) (laughs) And he got the job. So that was a question that made a difference in that life. Now, I talked to you last week about I was just finished reading or listening to the book by Will Smith called Will. A.V., I want you to play this audio clip from that book. I loved how Trey took to the Bible. He has one of the purest hearts of any human I've ever met. I was excited to discuss Abraham and Isaac and to debate the righteousness of David and what the story of Lazarus really means. I was wide open to ponder the life of Christ in the spiritual context and the historical, even the mythological, if his mind could handle it. What I was neither prepared nor willing to do was to debate the scriptural inadequacies of my life decisions. I worship God, I said. Are you sure? He said. So here's the deal, Trey. Your Bible is brand new with pages you haven't even looked at yet. Mine is tattered and worn with no page unturned. So why don't you rough your Bible up a little bit? Then we can have this conversation in a few years. I had brushed off his question, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. I do interviews for a living. 35 years of questions and 50-something languages. And the number one greatest question that I've ever been asked is, what do you worship? And the second greatest question is, are you sure? What's two plus two? Will Smith said he'd done interviews all over the world for 35 years in 50 different languages. And interviewees will always ask you questions as they interview you. 
And he says the greatest two questions that he's ever been asked are those two questions his son asked him. What do you worship and are you sure? And I'm taking a deviation from the series that I'm on just to ask you those two questions today. Because those are two very relevant and very serious questions. And they are not simple questions. What do you worship and are you sure? When we read the Ten Commandments that are the cornerstone of Old Testament law, the first two commandments in Exodus chapter 20, beginning at the first verse, reads thus. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So God began the law with his first two commands. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and don't even make an image of another god. Don't engrave it, don't write it, don't mold it, don't cast it, don't make any kind of image. I'm the one who saved you. I'm the one who brought you out of the house of bondage. And if you do, and if you mess up, I'm going to curse you down to your third and fourth generation of the fathers who failed to honor me. And I'm going to bless thousands of generations of those who do right. That's what God said. But he began with that simple command on those two things. Don't worship any other gods and don't make any other images of any other gods. What? Do you worship? Now, even though God put this very clear in the law, do you know the folk wouldn't do right? I mean, when you read the Old Testament, you will see over and over and over, they violated both of those commands. Both of those commands. Do you remember when Jacob went to Laban, his uncle? That's when he saw Rachel and fell in love with her. And he gave him Leah, the older sister. And finally, after he'd been there a long time, he got all of his possessions and stole away in the night. And remember, Rachel had her daddy's gods under her saddle. And the daddy came and found her and was mad because someone had stolen his gods. Now, this is the same bloodline. Because that was Abraham's relative. He had images of other gods in his house. So these were the first two commands. Don't worship any other god. And don't make you any other images of any other god. violated just the mess out of that. You know, when somebody's really out of money, they say I'm broke as the Ten Commandments. The first two. And here we're talking about in a season where people saw the power of God overtly Physically manifested, where they saw the Red Sea parted, where they saw all of these miracles, they saw all of this stuff. And still, all it took was just a few years, just a little bit of hardship. Do you know what happened with the children of Israel when God 
after 400 years of bondage. So here he is freeing the children of Israel. And Moses goes up on the mountain. And he was up on the mountain, you know, 40 days. And during them 40 days, do you know them folk made another God? They got Aaron and said, look, man, we need to worship something we can see. So they made a golden calf. And here God has told them. Oh, and he had just delivered them. They just saw the river just part, and they just walked through on dry land, and then saw all of the Egyptians killed. And still, and nine of the 12 tribes of Israel were likely black. So them Negroes saw that. <laughs> they saw that. They saw the power of God. And the leader couldn't even get out from up talking to God on the mountain in all of this glory. And when he came back, it just made him so mad. He just took the tablets and broke the tablets because he said these Negroes can't even stay on track with God for a month. And I go up on the mountain to be with God and come back. And here they have made another God. What do you worship? And actually, Those are two serious questions. Both of them are very serious. What do you worship and are you sure? And even now in modern Christendom, what do you worship? And all of us here would say we are Christians. We worship God. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. But do we? What do you worship? Do you prioritize And give more credence. I'm just looking at the pandemic results. And I look at a stadium that's packed with 100,000 folks with no mask on. I look at a stadium that's packed with 100,000 folks packed in like sardines with no mask. And they're shouting to high heaven. But yet, coming to church, oh, that's too dangerous. That's your too. We got on masks, social distances, everything. That's your too dangerous to go to church. I can go to a stadium, sitting side by side with a hundred thousand folk in this stadium, hollering about the touchdown, hollering about the gold, hollering about all that. I can go there and sit packed with a hundred thousand folk, but it's too dangerous to go to church. What do you worship? That's a real deep question because whatever we worship, we give priority to. We give reverence to nothing comes before that. And do we do that? I mean, I don't have the answer for you. It's a question today. A lot of times preachers give answers. I'm just giving you a two plus two today. What's the answer to that question? And this is what you have to search in your own heart. It's what I have to search in my own heart. What do I worship? Now, I believe in God. Then the next one, are you sure? What do you worship? And are you sure? Them two serious questions. And when we really back up and look at our lives, I say, what do I really give priority to? What takes up my time? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy mind with all thy strength, with all thy might. That's the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Do you know all your mind and strength? How many of us do that? I mean, really love the Lord thy God with all. And let me just rephrase that. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with 70%. I ain't even talking about 100%, 70%. 
Now, let me just take it to another level. Thou shall love the Lord thy God with 51%. That's just most of your strength, most of your time, most of your might, most of your thinking, most of your focus, most of your effort. Just that. If we had to honestly look at it, how much time, how much love, how much focus do we put on loving God versus all of the other stuff? What percentage would you put that at? Because Jesus said you need to put 100 in there. How much do we What do you worship? Then you have to look at, do you know, I was just watching some Netflix. Do you know sometimes you can binge on Netflix? Any of y'all relate to that? I mean, and they have it now where they'll have all these. Not only does it not stop between episodes, it don't even stop between seasons. <laughs> so you go from season to season, and it may be 20 episodes in a season. And sometimes you can get up in the morning and you start watching something that's really, really good. And they've got it now where it no longer plays the intro. It just goes right from one episode to the next. So you're just addicted and hooked. And you can sit there all day from morning to night. you just binging. How many of y'all can give God that kind of time? I mean, you run over past 1230 in church and you got some issues with folk. (laughs) But you can sit at Netflix from morning to night, episode after episode after episode. What do you worship? So when we start looking and see all of that stuff, and I had an issue with Netflix Look, I can't watch anything that's negative. I had to start looking at stuff that had positive stuff because there's so much of stuff just, it's so negative. I had gotten hooked up in watching the Santa Clara Diet. And this was about a housewife who had gotten bit by a zombie. So now she was in a turn into a zombie, but it was a thinking zombie and she had to eat folk. So her husband was in on it. He didn't turn into a zombie, but he had to help her get some meat. So he was only killing folk that wasn't good. And then they would freeze them and she could eat the folk. And I done watched about 10 of these episodes. It's really good. I watched about 10 of these things. And I said, what in the world am I doing watching this stuff? So I had to start saying, no more of this stuff. And you can get hung up and you spend time after time. Then you wait on the next episode and it's crazy. But we hooked into it. What do you worship? Where are you spending your priority? Where are you spending your time? And the world is taking us further and further and further away from God and Christ. Taking us further and further away. What do you worship? So I'm not answering the question for you. I'm asking you two plus two so that you can think and actually honestly do self-evaluation and self-examination. We're getting ready to even modify our services here at the church where we're going to limit them most weeks to just where we only have two services during the week. For example, we've now we have a an imagination station and a movie night. So we probably because now you have to come to church three times. It's just too much. But it ain't too much to sit there 12 hours and watch Netflix. But it is too much to come to church three times a week. And that's just a reality of it. Because I be kind of, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I got to come to church. I had a funeral guy to come to yesterday. Church this morning. God heals tonight. Then Thursday service. And then if we have a movie night in the Imagination Station on Friday. I can be sometimes three, four services a week. But I can sit there and watch the Santa Clara Diet. Watch five or six of them ass folk. About a housewife eating up folk. You understand the difference? You know, I'm getting a little tired with the word of God three times a week, but I can sit there and watch a zombie eating up for six hours straight. 
what? So I'm using myself. So I'm, I'm t- it's real. So what do you worship? What do you worship? And I had to start asking myself, where am I spending my time? Where am I spending my focus? Where am I spending my energy? Where am I spending my love? And when you start looking at that, I spoke last week just about finding the right spouse. And spouses now, they're doing everything else but spending the focus on each other. My daddy had this principle, God first, family second, business third. It's flipped. And it's flipped even among men now, and it's flipped even among women now. Now it's career first, maybe children, husband last, and God, if you can get to it. Because you got to watch the Santa Clara diet. (laughs) What do you worship? Will understood Out of all of his interviews for 35 years, his son asked him the deepest question he'd ever been asked. What do you worship? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your focus? Where do you spend your energy? Where do you spend your love? Where is it going? And as we reflect on that for each one of us, we'll start to see, to realize some things And then most of us are going to see we need to make some changes. And I could imagine Will's difficulty with that question because Will is in Hollywood. Do you know it's hard to focus on God in Hollywood? Do you know what? The Render My Money class on Friday, Gerald talked about when he had to go and sell advertising in Hollywood. And he talked about the magic of Hollywood. Do you know Hollywood is just rough? And most of us... We have no idea the kind of pressure and temptations a superstar endures. You have no idea. It's pressure that would break the average man ten times over. So don't look at Will, to my Will, you know, his first marriage. If you had to undergo that kind of pressure, he's done phenomenal considering what you got to deal with. If you had a situation where you couldn't even walk down a mall without women flooding you trying to throw themselves at you, do you know what kind of pressure that is on a man? And how hard, shoot, I have a hard time as a preacher. Do you know what kind of pressure that is? If you just had all these folk after you, but you do. You've got a whole world after your mind and spirit. You do. Will can just see them. So he can see them piling after. It's obvious. It's overt. But the satanic has always been subtle. It's the Santa Clara diet. That don't look like that's done by the satanic folk. But it's designed to grab your attention, to keep you away from good stuff, and to slowly pump your subconscious mind with all kinds of mess and make you laugh and enjoy it and become addicted. What do you worship? And then there's the other big question. Are you sure? Are you sure? And that's a real deep question. Are you sure? I mean, when you look at history, And you look at the number of religious wars and how many millions of people have been killed through history, through religious wars. I was in Ireland a few years ago, and I remember when I was young how Ireland was having all of this bloodshed between the Protestants and the Catholics. And the thing was running through my mind, how and why are the Protestants and Catholics killing each other? And they're the same religion. It's not even like Muslims and Christians. They're Protestant and Catholic. And when you look at it, they had like 16,000 bombings and 30-some thousand folk injured and three, 4,000 folk dead. 
And it went on for like 30 some years. So I'm saying, how is it that people, they use the same Bible. How is it that this many folk killing over this period of time? What do you worship? And are you sure? Because like the Catholics were sure about theirs and the Protestants were sure about theirs. And when other religions meet on the battlefield, each one of them is sure about their own religion. So that's a deep question. And I'm not answering your questions today. I'm just asking you two plus two. What do you worship? And are you sure? I remember when we were in Japan on one of our brother's trips and the guide was telling us, this is the religion of Japan. And they were telling us about the religion. He said, but the thing is, hardly anybody following it. So it was the official religion, but she said, ain't nobody following this. When I travel, I've gone to other countries, and sometimes the countries are Islamic, and I'll ask them, I say, oh, how the young folk doing? Oh, no, they ain't. They're not in the mosque. What do you worship? But they are watching Netflix. <laughs> what do you worship? And are you sure? So this is the question that I leave you with today. It's not a simple question. I have talked about this in some other sermons, and I want to just give you those sermons so that you can go and listen where I explain in some detail. Number one about the are you sure? It's sermon 5735, and it's called How Do I Know God Exists? And that's a real issue because a lot of times we have issues knowing, you know, God, are you there? When stuff go to happen, that's a real issue. God, are you there? Even Jesus said, Father, Father, why have thou forsaken me? When we get under enough pressure, we got a simple question. God, are you still there? Are you sure? What do you worship? Are you sure? And you need to have an absolute assurity. So for those of you, particularly those of you who've got this logical mind, Sermon 5735 is going to help you tremendously just in understanding that. Then the other one I would recommend is Sermon 5739, which is called How Do I Get Into Heaven Part 3. This this deals also with that. And I recommend another one that C. Elijah preaches called Super Abounding Grace, 7741. So those three sermons, because all I'm doing today is asking you a question. I'm not giving you any solutions. I'm just asking you a question. And you have to look yourself in the mirror to answer some of those questions. What do you worship? And are you sure? But I recommend that you go and listen to these three sermons. Won't take you that long. And see, I got to tell you, it won't take you that long. You see the issue? I, I got to tell you it won't take you that long. This is a question and maybe some answers dealing with some of these eternal questions that could affect your eternal life of the God that you're supposed to love with all your heart, mind, strength, and spirit. And here, I got to tell you, those three sermons won't take you that long. So we have priorities that are, they've been hijacked by the world. And we got to understand some things and look ourselves in the mirror. And it is, it is difficult to get out of the rut of the world because it makes it so easy. See, let me give you a good example of this, how it makes it so easy. If you leave out of your house and you drive two miles down the road and realize you have left your cell phone, what would you do? But if we leave out of our house, get 20 feet down the road and realize we don't have our Bible with us, what would we do? So our priorities have been shifted by the world system. And it's designed to do that. 
The world has never wanted you to be in tune with God because when you are in tune with God, a power structure cannot control you. There's a whole political, sociological reason for why they don't want you tuned in to God because when you're tuned in to God, they can't control you. So they want us away from God and they give us all of these distractions, all of these things to take our minds and our spirits out of the realm of the path of righteousness and salvation. What is two plus two? What do you worship? Are you sure? Simple questions and two plus two is an obvious answer, it seems. But when you start studying math and even the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, that is true in Euclidean geometry. But when you start studying other planar scalar geometries, it changes. So some of this stuff is deeper than it looks. But those, I have to agree with Will. What do you worship and are you sure? Because when you get the clear answers to those two questions, it shapes your world and it shapes your path. Two plus two, what do you worship? Are you sure? I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. You can go and listen to this message and thousands of others absolutely free at brothersoftheword.com. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. Amen. I'm going to ask George to come and close us out today. He was the first one of my sons to finish the book, Will. He finished that 16-hour book in one day. So he has a different level of thinking than I do. Hello, Ark. I'm George Bronner, as he mentioned. I had actually forgotten how I was supposed to open up. I was going to give a quote. And that is, the wise man does not give the right answers. They ask the right questions. So I'm going to just say it then. I mean, power's not lost. And whenever the question was asked, my mind went over a couple different areas, such as novels or entertainment, and it finally settled on a category, and that being pleasure. In the November-December debate season, I was debating Lincoln Douglas, and there was one very common card that was found in seemingly every case that I read, and it was a hedonism good card that stated that the only things that are intrinsically valuable or disvaluable are pleasure and pain. And I couldn't help but realize in my life and even the life of people around me The value of pleasure and pain can be at the top of a lot of scales. I mean, humans are certainly selfish, greedy, prideful, envious, and the list goes on. And a lot of that is driven by pleasure or avoidance of pain. There were only two things that came to my mind at that point when I came to that category. One was God. I either worship God primarily or to pleasure. I couldn't think of anything else that could really compete in my life. And I was thinking, well, I believe in God. And my very next thought was, that's not enough. Because the demons believe in God. And they're also terrified of him as well. But I don't think it takes a lot of people to tell you that the demons don't worship God. And I kept 
thinking. As the sermon went on of various examples of people tempted by pleasure, I remember in one of my dad's past sermons, he mentioned how outside of the Israelite temples, there would be other religions. And one of them, I think it was the Temple of Baal. And they worshipped through sexual acts such as orgies and whatnot. So the Israelites would come out of worshipping God to see erotic images, to see nude women that were tempting them to go over to Baal's temple after leaving God's temple. That's some strong temptation. And I mean, that's a whole nother level from Hollywood. And I just couldn't help but think, do I worship God more or do I worship God? pleasure more. And the only thing that I could think of to really serve as a proper measure would have been time. As I believe it was my uncle Charles that stated, the best way to see who an individual serves or values most is their checkbook and their planner. Their checkbook and their planner. And I knew that I was right in tithing, but when I looked at my planner, it was lacking. If I looked at my planner alone and where I was allocating my time, it would fall into the pleasure area. Because I do believe in God, but that's not enough. I do believe in God, but can you tell by where I'm spending my time? And I had recently read a couple books. I don't even remember which one this was from, but it had talked about various believers, various Christians and the way that they act. And there are people that served simply because of responsibility. And you could look at what they do whenever they expected nothing, whenever nobody was watching, and that would more or less determine their standing. I serve by coming up here when I'm called. I serve by preaching every fourth Friday. I serve by doing God heals. But beyond that, when nobody's looking, do my acts of serving God outnumber my acts of personal pleasure? And the answer I came to was no. As I was sitting there, the top thing that I worshipped based off of my planner would have had to be pleasure. And even now as I stand here, I think of Paul whenever he stated that he does things that he doesn't want to do. And all I can say is saying, it's relatable. I wish to serve God. I believe in him. Yeah, when I look at my planner, it's lacking. The fortunate thing is, you can make errors, but the problem isn't necessarily in making an error, but continuing to do so. If today you see that you serve pleasure more than you serve God, you can make that change today. Work more towards serving God and dedicating time to God, where your planner and your checkbook will show very, very clearly who you serve. It's your planner and your checkbook will lean towards God and not towards selfishness or otherworldly things. I serve pleasure today, but I hope that next week or tomorrow, next month, and in the coming years, my answer will be changed. And when asked that follow-up question of, am I sure, I can say that I certainly am. I'm not even sure what to call for the altar call, especially since I stated that I serve pleasure. <laughs> I suppose we can pray a prayer together because no man is perfect and 
I heavily doubt that anybody under the sound of my voice can say that with all of their strength and all of their being, they serve God. So please bow your heads for a word of prayer. Abba, Papa, I thank you for allowing everybody to come out tonight. I thank you for even giving me the opportunity to stand up here, and I hope that the Holy Spirit speaks through me. I just pray today that in Christ Jesus, the strength will be found to serve you. Because while pleasure is also pleasing, it can also be found in you. It's just more readily and easily available in the world. But Father God, may our minds not just be set on the pleasure today or tomorrow, but eternity. Father God, I pray that we will serve you. And I pray that the joy of the Lord will fill our hearts. That it will heavily exceed anything that the world can offer. Because whenever you seek pleasure in the world continually, there's one thing that seems to occur always, and that's numbness. It's that you seem to go for more and more and more, but it never becomes enough. It's always a fleeting pleasure that's faster than you could ever catch up to, yet we still chase anyway. But Father God, there is satisfaction in you. There is peace in you. There is joy in you. There is prosperity in you. As the quote goes... There is no peace outside of your will, yet there is no storm in your will. Father God, I pray that we will follow your will. I pray that you will keep and continue to put us in your will. May Christ provide us with the strength to overcome all sources of temptation and evil. May we not seek it. May we not be distracted. But may we remain in purpose. May you prepare us and may the promises be received. Because while blessings can be sent out, they can be ignored by the person meant to receive them. And Father God, I just pray that we will receive today all the blessings that you have planned for us. I pray today that we will choose to worship and serve you and be sure in our action. And I pray today that we will last. Because choosing for a day is great. But what about tomorrow? Choosing for tomorrow is great. What about next week? Father God, I'm going to skip all of the rhetoric and just say, I pray that we choose you for a lifetime. And I pray that we are with you for eternity because it is far better to be with you than without you. Greater is he that is in you than is in the world. Even today, while we are still living in the flesh, it is better to be in you. So Father God, may we choose to worship you. May we stay in you. May we love you with our whole heart and love our neighbor as we love ourselves, Father God. May you purify us and guide us because we can't overcome sin alone, but with Christ Jesus, we surely can. In Christ Jesus, we can be saved. May we live and love as you have loved us. We thank you and we love you. We pray this prayer through the precious and the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, and in the Spirit. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great day, everybody. I have talked about this in some other sermons, and I want to just give you those sermons so that you can go and listen where I explain in some detail. Number one about the Are You Sure? It's Sermon 5735, and it's called, How Do I Know God Exists? And that's the real issue, because a lot of times we have issues knowing, you know, God, are you there? 
When stuff go to happen, that's a real issue. God, are you there? Even Jesus said, Father, Father, why have thou forsaken me? When we get under enough pressure, we got a simple question. God, are you still there? Are you sure? What do you worship? Are you sure? And you need to have an absolute assurity. So for those of you, particularly those of you who've got this logical mind, Sermon 5735 is going to help you tremendously just in understanding that. Then the other one I would recommend is Sermon 5739, which is called How Do I Get Into Heaven? Part 3. This this deals also with that. And I recommend another one that C. Elijah preaches called Super Abounding Grace, 7741. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, What Do You Worship? Are You Sure? By Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5942, that's 5942. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 5942 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.